0: back to another episode of Well Lit Path. We are about to learn about intercession with David here in Psalm 20. But first, how is your week? Uh, something I lack right now in my life, I feel like, is surety. So, surety in my job, uh, surety what God has next for me. I have to constantly remind myself that I have to ensure that I'm on the side of God and not keep asking him to be on my side. You know, when we look at wars fought in history, there was an obvious side for right and an obvious side for wrong, for the most part. When we look, it's most often the side of wrong that has to search and struggles with finding allies, whereas the side of right usually has a plethora of people clamoring to join the cause. And really, that should teach us something in our Christian life. There's no greater surety of God's will than when the brothers and sisters in Christ that we surround ourselves with are jumping on the bandwagon our direction of life is taking. Most commonly, this should be taken as an affirmation that God's in it when it garners the support of his people. When we struggle to find allies to join us in a decision or affirm a direction, that's really when we should be the most cautious. God didn't place these fellow believers in our lives for naught. He placed them there as counsel. When you're on God's side, seeking His will, searching for His guidance, seeking His face in the decision, you'll garner the support of His children, those that are also tuning their lives to his will. Believe me, it's much safer on the Lord's side than on yours. David affirms this instruction over and over again here in Psalms 20. Trust in the Lord, remember his salvation, get on board with his program, be on his side, and above all, encourage each other. Psalm 20, beginning in verse 1. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of God, the name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen. And stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. You know, my mind went so many different directions with this passage during preparation. At first, I wanted to take it and go to war. Then I wanted to use it to call to remembrance all the times that God has protected me in troubled times. But before we get into where God brought me finally, I want to focus on a couple of key terms here that may make it seem like at first that this may not be entirely for us, that it was for someone maybe more noble than us, that it can't possibly apply to us because it speaks of the king and because it speaks of the Lord's anointed. David was indeed king of Israel at the time. He was chosen by God, anointed by God's prophet. This psalm was written by David or for David, depending on what camp you're in. But regardless, it surely concerns David as he goes forth to war. What I want to point out, and I'll continue to try to do this throughout our journey through the Psalms, is that we are also both of these things in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 2 tells us that we're anointed of God, chosen by him. John tells the addressees of the letter that What they had heard from the beginning, the truth of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, was still true. Anyone that denied Christ was an antichrist. Christ had promised them eternal life, but they were being seduced by false teaching. And he says in verses 26 and 27, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, And ye need not any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. We've been anointed by Christ with the Holy Spirit, chosen unto his service at the moment of salvation. This power that lives in us warns us when false teachings arise, confirms when truth is taught. Just as David was chosen by God and it was signified with oil, so at salvation we become chosen of God and he signifies it and seals it with the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 1, verse 6, John drops another nugget of truth on us. In his opening address to the churches, he makes it clear whose revelation this is, beginning in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We've been made kings and priests by Christ before God, the father, both of which I'll add in the old Testament were anointed, washing us from our sins in his own blood. He makes us to stand before the father as Kings. We really need to take that knowledge in. (laughs) Tell me our God's not good. All right. So now that we've established that this fall, that this psalm fits us to the T, let's see where God wants to take us here. Let's look at this subject as if someone were praying it for us or we were praying it for someone else. Because really this is an intercessory prayer, a prayer of edification, a psalm of uplifting, of encouragement. And what greater encouragement can we give or get when the words are uttered, Lord? Hear the words of your servant in their time of need. You know, a hasty text message gets sent out. uh, Going through something could really use your prayers. Do we send those types of messages to each other? Are we that person to someone? I'm really struggling today. I could use some prayer. Why don't we get or send those text messages? Uh, Well, that takes a special kind of relationship. (laughs) Well, sure it does. But don't you have that? Don't we have that with our fellow church members? A special kind of relationship? What would our lives look like if we texted each other a little more for prayer? Hey, I'm struggling with an old sin today. I could use your prayers. And then the response be, hey, I'm praying that the Lord hears you today, praying that he lifts you up today, praying that he gives you victory today. Do we send those text messages? Do we make those phone calls? We're more connected than we've ever been in history, and yet we use that connection to connect to the internet, to connect to Facebook, to connect to Instagram, to connect to TikTok. Are you finding any encouragement there? Text a church member you've never texted before and just let them know, hey, I'm praying for you today. Walk up to a church member that you don't really talk to and ask them, hey, is there something I can pray with you about? Something I can pray about for you? And I'll be the first to admit that I struggle with the courage to do that. But aren't we all facing some kind of struggle? Don't we all deal with anxiety, troubles, temptations? Don't we all deal with sin? Maybe we'd be more successful in our evangelism. Maybe we'd see more growth in our churches if we just step up and say, hey, I'm, I'm broken. And then have a brother or sister stand up and say, hey, me too. But I'll pray that the Lord comforts you, helps you through. Could, could you pray the same for me? I'm confident that if we prayed for each other more, we would find that we would have much less reason to pray for ourselves. I mean, why should we pray? What power does that give us? What answers can we receive? What solace can we tap into? <laughs> the name of the God of Jacob. His name defends us. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. This is the name that if called upon brings salvation, says Romans 10:13. Whose name is far above every other name that is named, says Ephesians 1:21 and Philippians 2:9. The God of Jacob is holy. The God of Jacob is none other than Jehovah, the triune God, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is. His name will defend us. Who else can we find defense in? Surely not my name. Do you know how many people the name of Tom has defended? Zero. And how many people has your name defended? Now, now, not how many people you defended physically, Just the mention of your name has defended them. Someone was in trouble, they said your name, and then they weren't in trouble anymore. Or better yet, are we really no better than the sons of Sceva in Acts 19? Or someone would say of us, yeah, Jesus I know, and I've even heard of Paul, but you I don't know. Or what if it was worse than someone? What if it was a principality that we were up against. But then how often do we try to tackle our troubles in our own power? And our, and our trouble says to us, well, I know Jesus has the power to overcome me, but who's this Tom you speak of? And then we're looking up from the hole we dug for ourselves and we see Jesus overcoming on our behalf. Quick question, how much experience do you have overcoming your troubles? Uh, If you're my age, maybe you've got 30 years of experience navigating your troubles. You figure you really don't start trying to solve your own problems until maybe 13 to 15, unless you're really ambitious, I guess. Uh, Everything before that, your parents kind of solved or solutioned out for you, right? But, I mean, then you obviously became smarter than them, so you started finding your own solutions and solving your own problems yourself. Well, how many years do you think God has solving problems? And, and all kinds of problems, no less, not the little softball problems that you or I may have. We're talking about world-scale problems, eternal problems. You know that God came up with the best solution for the biggest human problem, and he had that solution before humans even existed? But no. Let me defend myself with the name of Tom. I mean, even saying it sounds stupid. Where am I going to send help from? If we were to pray for each other, petition for each other, ask God to hear the prayers of one another. Would we ask for him to send help that was earthbound? Or should our prayers sound like this? You know, maybe if you were praying for me, it would sound something like, Lord, Tom's struggling. Lord, he's asked me to pray with him. And I can't help like you can. I can't defend like you can. Lord, he, he really just needs some heavenly assistance. He needs strength only you can provide. Can you help him? How strange it is to me sometimes that we struggle to say the right thing when someone is hurting, when someone is struggling. And I, I struggle with it all the time, and it's it's still the fact that I struggle with it is just strange to me. Why not just pray? Why not just say to that person, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. You're in my prayers. I'm praying the Lord comforts you. I'm praying that he strengthens you. Wouldn't that be so much better than, I'm sorry for your loss or, I can't imagine what you're going through. What kind of help is, I I can't imagine struggling with that brother. I had no idea. In those statements, we can provide no strength, no help in our own power. But through prayer, we can tap into strength and help far beyond ourselves and and maybe it is us that the Lord uses to be strength for someone, to be help for someone, but it's only in his power and in his name that we can find that we can be a part of his will at that time. When we pray for or encourage someone, do we call to remembrance how they've been faithful to God and point out his promises to those that are faithful to him? Do we not not remind them of verses like Hebrews 6.10 where it says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. What beauty in this promise that God doesn't forget the good things we do for his people in his name to his glory. When David writes that he prays that God hear, that God remembers all of the offerings given, all of the sacrifices made, he's calling on God to remember the obedience of the petitioner. That the unbroken relationship and the righteousness of the Father be the reason that God defends, that he helps and strengthens. And I can't help but get back to Edify the family of God through the glorifying of the Father. Remind those caught in a struggle that their faithfulness and how God is even more faithful than their faithfulness. To say to them, Brother, when was the last time God let you down? And this whole first portion of the chapter is us making intercession for those struggling in our churches. Those in need of a word of encouragement, of hope. Those that need to know that we see them and that their struggle is valid. That we're broken just like them and we'll pray for them. And man, would would they pray for us as well? Do this. Make a prayer list. Think of every name in the church, your church, that you can think of. And it's okay if there are names you don't know. Make a list of the names you do know. And pick a person off of that list every day to pray for. And then add every day to that your pastors, your pastor's families, and your church. Make those things part of your daily prayer. And then make it a point to text or tell one of the people you prayed for or a person that you specifically prayed for that week and tell them, text them, hey, I prayed for you this week. Watch your church change. Watch the people change. Watch your pastors be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And it, it, it can be the simplest of prayers. God Whatever this person is praying about, hear them, comfort them, strengthen them, help them as only you can. Because you don't have to know what's going on in their lives to be a part of their prayer life. And then once you start doing this yourselves, share this mentality with everyone in your church and see if we can get this concept to catch on like wildfire. Are we too afraid to make ourselves this vulnerable? To be uncomfortable for Christ? Let's see what kind of change God can work in us and through us. And as we continue to pray for our churches and their members, let's pray that the Lord gives them the desires of their hearts. Oh, wait, I'll caveat that. Let's first pray that the Lord aligns all of our hearts with his heart And then that he'll grant us the desires of our heart with our hearts being attuned to his desires and his expectations. Because in doing so we'll find that he'll fulfill all of his plans for us. What would happen if when we pray for God's will, we don't try to dictate his will to him. We ever prayed this before, Lord, Lord, Grant me this promotion according to your will. Well, what if the promotion isn't his will? Oh, oh my, what the shock. What if he can use you more effectively right at the level you're at? Lord, help me get this new job that's more money. What if he wants to give you a job that makes less money so that he can teach you to budget better Rely on him more to be a better steward of the things that he's given you. How arrogant we get sometimes when we make so much money that we forget God's in it. That we start to get the mindset, I've earned this. Well, God gave me the job, but I keep it. Oh, we would never say that out loud. But do we think it? We may try to keep it pushed down, hidden, and private, but do we feel it? Maybe the Lord can't trust you with a better paying job, and that's why you feel like you're stuck where you're at now. Maybe He knows that the better paying job will take you away from the things He wants for your life. What about His plan? What about His goals? David asks to grant according to a heart like God's and that our plans align with God's as well. Why is his heart and his plan so important? Because he's the one who has saved us to his glory. He's the one we can rejoice in. You know, it's easy sometimes to rejoice when we feel like we're in control and God is on our side. But how much more difficult to rejoice when God saved us from something he knows will be detrimental to us in the long run, but we really wanted it. We've been saved to good works, to glory in the Father and through the Father, to give him all the glory. That every victory in our life be attributed to God and that his name be on every banner we conquer under. How often are we flying flags with names on them that read Tom's intellect, Tom's discipline, Tom's skill set, Tom's dedication, Tom's work ethic? And now put your name everywhere in those phrases I've put mine. You fly those banners often? How much different would our lives be if we flew the banner over our victories, God's provision, God's blessing, God's wisdom, God's servant? Are we setting up our banners in his name or in ours? And if we set up our banners in his name, would our petitions be fulfilled? Oh, I missed out on that opportunity. I didn't get that victory. I lost that battle in my life. That struggle got the best of me. Well, whose flag are we flying? And if the flag we're flying has our name on it, then who are we really petitioning for help? If we're relying on our own strength, flying our own flags, were we petitioning God at all? our Father who loves to fulfill our petitions and to do good things for us, our God who delights in us and delights in blessing us. How many blessings have we missed out on under the banner of our own name? He wants to hear from his chosen, from his anointed. He wants to deliver us from the struggle, the trouble, the mess, and the brokenness. When we fly his banner, giving him the power and the glory, oh, how he comes down swiftly and saves us absolutely. Because we tend to get ourselves out of messes just so inadequately. He has the solution. He wants to provide the solution. He hears our cry from his holy heavens and he says, hang on, I got this. And then he puts his hand in our lives And we wonder at how he's exactly what we needed in that moment. Well, he's exactly what we need in every moment. In our moments of blessing, in our moments of struggle, in our moments on the mountaintop, in our moments in the valley, he reaches into our lives with his strong right hand and provides peace in the highs and peace and comfort in the lows. Chariots and horses can't be trusted to move on our behalf. Chariots and horses have to be guided by us. The means and the methods we like to turn to are fickle because they are our means and our methods. How proud of us to say in our hearts, Well, I've struggled through this alone before. I can do it again. I've done it without help before. I'll just do it again. I was able to get through this without God's help or the help of a fellow Christian before. I'll just do it again. Or we say, my chariot and my horse are plenty to get me through this valley. I know how to guide them through every swamp over every pitfall. As long as they work with me and go where I point them, we'll get through this just fine. Well, what happens when the wheel falls off the chariot? What happens when the horse gets stuck and sinks and is lost in the mire of the swamp? What happens when the bridge is out? Do we really want to go through it alone? Do we really want to put our trust in things that we can control? That we can handle? Because I'm horrible at controlling my chariot and my horse. Yet, all too often I find myself on the side of a valley road trying to flag down spiritual triple a to help me with my broken chariot wheel or even worse. I'm pulling the chariot behind me with the horse in it because the horse wouldn't actually listen to me. But when I remember the name of the Lord, when I call on him at the onset of the trouble, the struggle, the trial, Lord, this was this was unexpected and came out of nowhere. I don't know how to get through it by myself. I don't see a way over it. So guide me, lead me, pull me where you need to and carry me if you have to, but help me to lean on you. Help me remember your faithfulness in the past. Remind me to fly your banner in victory before the battle even starts and save me from the ignorance and the foolishness in myself. And I wish I could say that that was me every time. But like you, I run to him and remember his name when I've exhausted all of my other options, when I've broken every chariot in my garage and lost everything every horse in my stable because too often I really do treat him like spiritual triple a is that your story too you're not alone this is why we fall so often in all of our trust in him we still fail to trust him in the small problems and in the big problems too often we trust ourselves we fall, and we pull ourselves back up. We fall, and we pull ourselves back up, but a little slower this time. And we fall, and we fall, and we fall until we can't get up anymore, and then we say, Lord, help me. Well, what a difference if we would just start there. If we would just reach out our hand to Him at the moment that the trial or the trouble starts. If we would only call to him in the immediacy of the moment, it's not us who would rise up. He would pull us up. He arose for us and he raises us up with him. We rise because he's conquered all. We can only stand upright and righteous in his righteousness. Standing on his promises, we cannot fall. We cannot fail. It's only when we try to stand against in our own power that we falter. Save, Lord. Save me from myself. Save me from my pride. Save me from my reliance on my own power. Lord, you've made us kings. Let us remember that we're not Kings of ourselves, but only in you. So let us hear when we call on your name that we are only who you say we are. We're only made strong in you. At the end of this psalm, David wants the people to ask God that he, David, hear their plea on his behalf to God. So that David is reminded of his need for God. And of God's goodness to him. And so that David knows that those around him are praying for him, are praying for God's hand on his life. We all need this type of reminder. We need reminded that we're concerned for each other and that we're in each other's prayers. So don't be sheepish or afraid to tell a brother or sister in Christ that you're praying for them. We, we somehow attach this stigma that if someone is praying for us and they, that they perceive that something is wrong in our lives, we need to pray for each other not knowing that anything is wrong or right. Pray that God grants each other's petitions. Pray that God protects each other's families. Pray for each other. If we get nothing else from this psalm, get that. Pray for each other and let's let each other know that we're praying for each other. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. Hey, thanks for walking with me while we read the word together. Won't you join me again next week and we'll walk just a little further. If you like the podcast, go ahead and hit that follow button. If you have any questions about salvation or general podcast questions, Uh, reach out to us via email at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook by looking for LWBC underscore publications.